The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. We are talking tight ends here on Fantasy Football Today. Top 12 tight ends, an early look. Really interesting because we had some very encouraging rookie performances, including, obviously, Sam Laporta, who led all tight ends with 10 touchdown catches. No one else had more than six so that was an interesting season uh, in terms of touchdowns for the tight ends. Welcome, everybody. It's Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath. We're all here. We're great. We've got some coaching news as well. And congratulations, Heath. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl once again. <laughs> well, they're not. Um, they are where they always are in the AFC Championship game. We'll uh-huh. see if they can beat what I think is the best team in football right now in their building. Yeah, but... They're going to win. I mean, it's like, it's, they're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends well, I mean, which conspiracy theory you believe. Is it the Taylor Swift conspiracy theory or the logo conspiracy theory? Oh, I am not up to date on these, on my conspiracy theories here. Please fill me in. Well, I mean, the Swift one is obvious that she just brings eyeballs to the TV. Uh, the logo one is, um, was it the last three years or four years uh, that the logo colors have been the Super Bowl um, contenders? Participants. Participants. The logo colors? What yes, logo? The, lo- the Super Bowl logo colors oh. have determined who the uh, the Super Bowl participants have been. Really? Yes, and it's purple and red. Interesting. So the so the Lions are going to wear purple against the Chiefs. Okay. Anyway, uh, we'll get more into that <laughs> tomorrow. Dave, are you on the show tomorrow? I hope so. Okay, good. I'll do game of the week then. Uh, we'll get more into the games tomorrow. <laughs> Some quick tight end notes. Twelve. Uh, this is. I mean, I we talk a lot about being top five, uh, top two in in targets to be top five at tight end. You got to be one or two on your team in targets almost always to be a top five tight end. How about twelve of the top thirteen tight ends? Not per game, just overall fantasy points. Twelve of the top thirteen tight ends were first or second on their team in targets. That's insane. I know Dave, I, I gave this trivia question to Dave. I know he knows who the only one who wasn't. Do you guys know who the only tight end to finish top 13 in PPR and not be first or second on his team in targets was? Total points, guys. Yeah. Total, total, points. total points scored. No. I also, I think like, using total points and total targets is a really bad way to do this. Agreed. No, it's not. There's there's yes, something. No, yeah, well, the guys who played 17 games and didn't get hurt as much but um, finished. On, on their teams. Ahead. Yeah, on their teams. And they all didn't, first of all, they didn't all play 17 games, not even close. It's, you know, but it's it, Taysom Hill is the only one, which makes sense, right? It's, um, the, 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 a, a dumb stat got even dumber. No, it's not a dumb stat at all. <laughs> You don't want to be third on your team in targets. It's, it's a very right. important stat. Well, we can do, we can do it Heath's way too. Can you name the tight end in the top thirteen that uh, did not finish top two on their team in targets on a per game basis? Hmm. No, Darren Waller. Okay, there you go. He was thirteenth in points per game, and he was third on the Giants in targets. But he wasn't third in targets per game. He was just third in targets. Correct. Right. Uh, tight end yards. Per, 
Yards per route run. Thank you, JB. <laughs> Yards per route run leaders among tight ends. Minimum 40 targets. George Kittle, one. Trey McBride, two. Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, Sam Laporta, and then Komet, Najoku, Ingram, and number 10, Tanner Hudson. Um, we'll get into tight ends. I'll get into all the rankings a little bit later, but let's uh, do news and notes. After I tell you about the Sports Podcast Awards, you only have a few days left. Voting ends this week. So please vote for us at sportspodcastawards.com. There's a link in the episode description. There's a QR code on YouTube. Uh, there's a, a computer near you. Sportspodcastawards.com. Click on vote now. And we're in the best fantasy betting and gaming ca- uh, podcast category, something like that. Vote for fantasy football today. And we appreciate it. If you've already voted, we appreciate it. It's so quick. It takes about 30 seconds. We need your help. We want to win this one. And it's up to you. It's all fan vote. SportsPodcastAwards.com. Best fantasy betting and gaming category. News and notes. Okay, the Titans look like they're going to hire Cincinnati offensive coordinator Brian Callahan as their head coach. They're wrapping that up. And the Bears fired, hired Shane Waldron, the former Seattle offensive coordinator, to be their new OC. So, Jamie, what's bigger news to you? Tennessee getting a new head coach? or Chicago getting that new offensive coordinator? Tennessee getting a new head coach. All right, what do you guys, you like these moves or what? It was an interesting hire. I mean, you know, he wasn't, I think, on on the forefront of, you know, assistant coaches who were expected to get jobs, especially, you know, in, in the first, one of the first hires, you know, of the vacant jobs that became available. So they're going a different direction, going from a defensive coach to an offensive coach. Um, I would love to see him bring his father with him who's one of the best offensive line coaches maybe in, in NFL history. Um, he's currently on the Brown staff. So that would be interesting. But in any event, um, you know, hopefully he'll do what he was able to accomplish with Joe Burrow, with Will Levis, you know, turn him into one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I don't think that's necessarily the case because of talent difference. But, you know, this is a good hire for Levis, a good hire for the offense, and they have a lot of work to do because the line, the backfield, the receiving core, uh, all needs to be reshaped in some way, shape, or form. Um and we'll see how that all unfolds. I think we got, we got a real question still about what that offense will look like because he didn't call plays in Cincinnati, and we don't know if he'll call plays in Tennessee. He might hire an offensive coordinator to do that because I don't know that he's ever done it. It's a good point. Uh, Callahan comes from the Shanahan-McVay coaching tree, so I think you can imagine some of the elements to it. Um, can they find a receiver that can work like Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and then you can look at the Bengals guys, someone who can be that type of dominant target hog in Tennessee. I, I I would go after somebody like that, even if the quarterback situation is not ideal. Uh, completely new offense. Forget about everything you know about Tennessee and what they've done the past five, six years. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how it shakes out. <laughs> how about the last eight years for Tennessee? They have been bottom seven in pass attempts, eight straight seasons. And they've been bottom three in pass attempts in four of the last five seasons. So, yes, we definitely need something new. And just looking at the Bengals' offense in the last three seasons with Joe Burrow, um, they were pretty pass-heavy. They were 31st and 30th in running back rush attempts the last two years. So almost the exact opposite of what Tennessee has been. I, I know one has has nothing to do with the other, but... It is just it is different than what we've seen in Tennessee. Just kind of just saying there. Um, how about for the this, Bears? This could be this could be two interesting landing spots for potentially Joe Mixon if he's released, and T Higgins if he's uh, actually free. That's a good point. All right, what about for the Bears with Shane Waldron coming over from Seattle? I think you'd have to say he did a pretty good job with he with did. Geno Smith. Um, <laughs> I have no idea if this has anything to do with Shane Waldron, but. The Seattle Seahawks, the last three years, they were bottom three in time of possession, uh, time of possessions. They were also pretty bad on third down. So um, hopefully that changes. But Heath, what do you think about the Bears' new offensive coordinator, what it means for their guys? I mean, I think we don't know who their guys are. Um, but assuming it's going to be Caleb Williams, and I've seen some people speculating on Twitter that the hiring of Shane Waldron points more towards Caleb Williams. Um, I, I think it's probably a good thing. But not something I'm going to make any big sweeping changes to yet. The, the biggest change for the Bears is, are they going to have a quarterback who runs the ball 10 times a game? Right. Do you guys see any dynasty 
opportunities here uh, with the with these hires? Does Will Levis get a big boost for you or anything like that? I mean, no. the, one, the one the one guy that I, I keep looking at for for if we're talking just these two teams is Tajay Spears, and you know the hope would be is that he does get the opportunity to be the guy, and so you know if he does, then you know we could be looking at a you know certainly I, I think probably a two three year window of, of maybe good production, and but for this year in just terms of redraft, you know he'll he'll vault into you know close to the top twenty if he is the starter there. Are we completely out on Traylon Burks? Ooh, we have an email about that. Let me read the email. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com is our email address. Great time to send some emails. Got your que- get your questions answered. Uh, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That is the letter I. Okay, this is from Kelly. Where's Kelly from, Dave? Uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Yeah. Just curious about your thoughts on Traylon Burks. He was a huge letdown this year. Uh, yada, yada, yada. So do you think I'm crazy for believing that he's going to be better or is it time to pull the plug on Traylon Burks if he's on your roster? If you've got him on your dynasty roster, you're not going to get anything for him in trade, so you might as well wait and see how it shakes out with the new offense there. He's had all kinds of injury issues that have hurt him, plus quarterback issues uh, over the first two years of his career. I'm looking at our redrafts that we've already done this year, and he went after round 10 in both. It's exactly I'm surprised the type drafted. of late round dart throw to look at, even now, even knowing that yes, Nashville or Nashville, Tennessee is going to add another wide receiver probably. Burks isn't going to be the number one guy, but he could end up elevating to be better than he's been. Not saying that he's ever going to be a, an alpha wide receiver in that offense, but someone who can contribute, maybe be a number three type of receiver in fantasy, with I guess a glimmer of upside to be a little bit better than that. I think he's got a chance if he can, A, stay healthy, B, get accustomed to this offense, and C, have a quarterback that doesn't completely stink throwing him passes. We'll see what happens. For dynasty purposes, the question's going to be, what do you do when we get to April or May or whenever your rookie draft is? Because Traylon Burks is definitely going to be in that conversation of, do you want to hold him or draft someone in the third round? Uh, Maybe even the second round, depending on how deep your roster is. Some guys that I have him close to in my dynasty rankings, he's right behind uh, Romeo Dobbs, Elijah Moore, Dontavian Wicks. I'd rather have those guys on my roster than Traylon Burks. He's right ahead of Rondale Moore, Josh Palmer, um, Darnell Mooney, I'd rather have Burks than those guys. So it's, but he is somebody who's definitely in the conversation for maybe getting cut. I would definitely rather have any second round pick than Burks. And I think I'd rather, I'd probably rather have a third round pick. There's not a huge sample of guys who have been as inconsequential as he has their first two years in the league. And then all of a sudden start mattering. There are some is the cause, the cause isn't lost, but it's, it's a long bet. Yeah. I mean, can we, can we draw any Nico, Nico Collins comparisons? Cause Nico Collins was, not as inconsequential, but pretty damn inconsequential. And then obviously got a huge coaching staff and quarterback upgrade, and bam. I, but it, I know it's different. I mean, Burks has just been battling different things for two years, basically. Asthma and knee issues and whatnot. But do you see any parallels there? I mean, the, the, the narrative makes sense. You know, does... Does Will Levis play like C.J. Stroud? I don't think that's going to be the case, you know. But again, system will matter. So yeah, I mean, th- that's that's probably the the hope is that he doesn't do much for two years and then he comes on his third season and starts to become a playmaker. And and clearly the the guys playing opposite him are going to matter, you know, because it's not just adding one wide receiver. I mean, they need to really overdo overhaul this entire receiving core, you know. So is Hopkins still there? Is somebody else brought in? Is two other guys brought in? You know, so he's going to have a role. It's just a matter of what kind of role he's going to have. Do you remember what type of talent he was when he came into the league, like as yeah. a draft prospect? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We loved he was him. Supposed to replace AJ Brown. I can't. I mean, that's one of the, the biggest biggest mistakes the franchise has made in recent years. Oh yeah, that's true. But I, I thought talent wise, he was good. I thought that he'd be able to contribute. I'm not sure if he was used the right way. And obviously, things in Tennessee were messy when he joined the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he gets another shot, but Heath, you said it best. It's a long, it's a long shot type of thing. All right, let's see what else we have in the news and notes world. The uh, the Raiders are close to hiring former Chargers GM Tom Telesco to be their GM. The Eagles fired their offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, so we'll see what moves they make. 
the Packers just fired Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator. Debo Samuel is questionable with an injury. There's an article on CBSSports.com with something like 15 stats about the champion about the yeah, AFC and NFC championship games, and it's a really great article. Uh, one of them is that in the Brock Purdy era, since he became the starter, San Francisco is 18 and one when McCaffrey, Debo, and Purdy play the entire game, and they are two and four otherwise. So we'll see if Debo can get out there for the game against the Lions this weekend. Uh, Kansas City guard Joe Tooney is questionable. Uh, Buffalo, uh, you know what? Let me go through the rest of the news just for this weekend here, and then we'll get into some other offseason stuff. So Detroit signed Zach Ertz. That's because Brock Wright, their number two tight end, has a forearm injury and he's unlikely to play this week. Also, guard Jonah Jackson for Detroit is likely out this week. They're hoping if they make the Super Bowl that he could be back for the Super Bowl. He's a great player for them. Their center, Frank Ragnow, is going to play through an injury. Uh, Okay, now on to some more offseason-related stuff. Uh, The Bills expressed support for Stephon Diggs. And Gabe Davis says he wants to test free agency. So, Dave, right now, are we operating on the assumption that Diggs is going to come back or still up in the air? I think think it's still up in the air. I think that there's still an opportunity for Buffalo to try and upgrade. They're going to have to do something. They're letting Gabe Davis go. I don't blame them for doing that. They need to find another playmaker at wide receiver. I I don't think Diggs is that guy anymore. And so if they can try and move on from him, uh, I think they will try. It, and if it's going succeed, to cost a not, lot, though, right? They can handle it. It's going to it, cost. It's a going lot, to be yeah. very, very expensive. Very, very expensive. To, it's to a thirty-one million dollar cap hit for twenty twenty-four if they cut him. It, they, right before June first, it's got to be a post June first cut or trade. Which and is, I believe it's which is still a huge thing. The twenty-five cap. I don't think it's that high after June first. All right. Um, well, it's it's that high over several years. Like it's you don't just yeah, it, that it, money it, doesn't it, just go that, away. It just you spread it out. Yeah, it's two years, right? So if you do it after June first, right? It's two years. I think you spread it out over. Um, Correct. Okay, let's see. Green Bay is determined to figure out why Christian Watson keeps having hamstring issues. He said he spent a lot of his own money last off season to get to, to the bottom of it. Obviously, you know they still have some work to do there, so they want to keep him healthy. Um, Cleveland wants Joe Flacco and Nick Chubb back. And a couple other things about this weekend. No running back has won the rushing title and made the Super Bowl since... Emmett Smith. No, good guess. He is one of the only running backs. I think they're, I think the last two running backs, maybe the only two running backs to win the Super Bowl and the rushing title are Smith and Terrell Davis. The last guy to go to the Super Bowl and win the rushing title with Sean Alexander in 2005. So Christian McCaffrey's trying to join that club. And Detroit has lost 11 straight road playoff games, longest streak in NFL history. I believe the last time they won a road playoff game, it was in San Francisco. In Candlestick. Oh, how about No, that? I think it was before Candlestick, actually. Oh. And it was in the, the 1957, I think it was. I th- this article is so fun. 15 facts. Let's see. Uh... On the website, it says 15 wild facts to know about the title games. So I recommend it on CBSSports.com. And let's see what the stat about Emmett Smith was. Uh, the only rushing title winners to win a Super Bowl are Emmett Smith, who did it three times, and Terrell Davis in 1998. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll talk tight ends. I have a couple more emails to get to as well. We'll be right back with our top 12 tight ends for 2024 after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, 
ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Okay, let's take a look at the tight end position. And Sam Laporta was the number one guy, but not per game. Per game, he was third. He was number two per game in non-PPR, third in half and full PPR. Travis Kelsey, once again, your number one tight end in full PPR per game. Per game, uh, number one Kelsey in both half and full PPR. Okay, so first question for tight end is, was this position more difficult to rank at this point in January than the other three? Did anybody find that to be the case? No. No. Just you. Yeah, I, I thought it was more difficult because there's the big Kelsey thing, right? Let's just, well, obviously we're doing this exercise assuming he's coming back, but is he done? Is he washed up? You know, it's going to be 35. There's that. When I see Laporta's stats, it's great, but Kyle Pitts as a rookie, he set the the receiving yards record, and he was a total dud in year two. So if you're going to make Laporta your number one overall tight end, you'd like to have a little bit more than just one year, right? Um, and then there's Andrews. I think he's I think he's tr- a little bit tricky. There's some some X factors there with him. McBride, they're probably going to add. I think they're in a very good position to add Marvin Harrison. I did think this was tougher than the other positions. I think there are more variables with the guys at the top. No one else feeling that? Well, I mean, there's certainly a a lot to still be determined, you know, with the draft and free agency and, you know, impacting not just them, the tight ends themselves, but also their quarterbacks, their teammates, you know, systems are going to be impacted. I mean, look, we could sit here and say Sam Laporta can do exactly the same thing, but he's going to have a new offensive coordinator, you know, so Trey McBride's going to have, you know, hopefully some help on, on, on the team. You know, Kyle Pitts is such a wild card in all of this because with the right quarterback and coach, he may be the best tight end in football. Travis Kelsey comes back. You saw he just did a week ago. I mean, yeah. like, you know, there's there's so many different variables with this, but I, I guess it's just I, I know where you're coming from, Adam. It just doesn't it doesn't seem like it's the, the answer is not hard. You know, it's just harder. Um, no, I, it's 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 I don't I don't view it that way, but I get where you're coming from. I, the, the the premise is correct. Yes, it's not exactly okay. They just fall in line e- evenly. Um, you know, you have to you know make some tough calls, but you know that's why we're doing it in January. It's not something we're drafting right now. Yeah, right. It, I, I, harder, easier suggests that like any of these super closely resemble what they're going to look like in August. Um, like I think maybe you just put a lot more thought into it. No, I don't think I put it. Well, when I did the rankings, <laughs> well, I mean, that's the problem, right? When I did the rankings, you know, at the very end of the season, um, I didn't put much thought into it. I didn't really have time to put that much thought into it. Then when I go and I prepare for the show and I start putting more thought into it, you start to see things. That, oh, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize that Mark Andrews had his lowest target per route run rate since his rookie season, you know, but... Uh, and the Ravens didn't really throw that much more. This, you know, I don't know, just just some things that pop up. But uh, I didn't realize that Kyler Murray really wasn't that good compared to what he usually does. You know, he had his basically his worst yards per game of his career, except for 2022. But in 2022, he had that one game where he threw like one pass or something. So I don't know. It's just a lot of things that have popped up. Uh, and then I think. I don't know. I'm guessing that your rankings right now for all of the positions are not what they were three weeks ago when we did this, right? Well, I mean, you know, just from compiling the the list and then doing our shows, because we've done the shows, like you said, it's almost a month uh, after I actually asked you guys to send them in. And as we found out with running backs and receivers, and I think quarterbacks also, uh, I know Dave had some changes. I know Dan, when he was on with us, uh, in regards to one of the positions, he had some changes. I think he's the same thing. Oh, me too, yeah. Um, you know, so there, there's definitely been things that have gone on from week 18 through the, the divisional round of the playoffs that have altered opinions. And like you said, it was uh, a matter of, you know, I, I hope not everybody rushing through it, but, you know, trying to get, 
get it done and get it done properly. And, you know, just having different opinions on things. It's like we do our rankings from Monday to Friday. They change by the time we get to Sunday morning, uh, just based on more information that we acquire. So, um, it's, uh, and, and what I'm referencing is you can see all of our rankings. There's seven of us in the rankings on, on the site, cbsports.com. Uh, and, and again, they may be different for, for a few people now from what the list that you're seeing. Yeah. And I will put a link to the tight end rankings in, uh, in the episode description as well. So you can follow along. All right. Well then let's get into it here. Let's do uh one, two, and three who are one, two, and three in your rankings, Dave, Richard. I think the question that you should have asked, by the way, is which position that we've ranked is most likely to have a change at the top between now and August. And to me, the answer is tight end. So all this is in pencil for me. Laporte is at the top, number one. I've got Andrews two. I've got Kelsey three. Oh, okay. Andrews two. All right. Uh, Heath, how about you? Uh, Laporta, McBride, Kelsey. Oh, Andrews not even in the top three. Jamie, how about you? Uh, same exact as Heath, Laporta, McBride, Kelsey. Okay, so Laporta, Andrews, Kelsey, Laporta, McBride, Kelsey, Laporta, McBride, Kelsey, and I went Laporta, Kelsey, Andrews. And okay, McBride's fourth for me. So does that mean Andrews is fourth for? Is, and do we have the same top four in some order? Andrews. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Andrews is four for me now. And Dan, I think of, of four for you? everybody had. I know everybody had Laporta and McBride in their top four. I don't know if anybody had. Andrews, I, I'll look while you're, we move on. In the next I might have. I think I had Hawkinson ahead of Andrews at one point, but yeah, I got Andrews, there was, Andrews there ahead of Hawkinson. Some, yeah, there was some I had Hawkinson, Hawkinson ahead of Kelsey up there. Um, you know, just with, but in, I, I know, I know for sure that Laporta and McBride were, were in everybody's top four. Okay, and they still are. So everyone has, and not, and not everybody had Andrews. Laporta one. But it, all four of us did have Laporta one, and everyone had all four of us had Laporta. Kelsey, McBride, and Andrews in the top four, and everyone on this show had Laporta one. So, yeah, like, Dave, you just talked about changes. How confident are you in Sam Laporta, tight end one? Uh, Reasonably, just because he had 14.1 PPR points per game, 10 games with 11 or more PPR points last year. His first year in the league, there theoretically is room for him to be better. I don't see the Lions adding... Uh, any major talent at wide receiver or tight end. I think they're pretty stacked as it is. Uh, it comes down to play caller. And are they really going to bring in a play caller that's going to try and completely reshape what's been working for them this year? That's tough to believe. I, I think that Laporta is probably in the best spot to see the least amount of change and still be able to develop and grow his game from year one to year two, maybe even see a few more targets per game. And, and be a great fantasy tight end and one that picks up a lot of touchdowns. I'm pretty confident Laporte is going to be ranked number one for me. But like we've had a couple of years, two or three years now, where we've got one tight end in round one. And then for a, a year or two, we had Andrews in round two. I'm not drafting a tight end before round three. And one will be a lot closer to two and three than he's been in the past. It, it, will, it will be interesting to see average draft position if Kelsey does return. Because, you know, no matter, I think, what we say, it's hard to overlook that name, especially if he has another game or two games yeah. right. like what we just saw. You know, so if he has a monster playoff run, uh, which started last week, then you could say, OK, I mean, even the first game, you know, seven for 71. I know he had the drops, but um, seven for 71, a two touchdown game against Buffalo, another 70 plus yards and a score against Baltimore. And if they, you know, somehow get to the Super Bowl, another big game there. And he says, you know, what, I'm coming back. Then it's. Okay, why would I take Laporta? Why would I take McBride when I know what this guy has given me? And even in a down season, you just said he was still number one in points per game. So there's there's still that allure of down year for Kelsey, 34, still, okay, aging 35, but still getting the job done more so than what these guys might be able to achieve. And so that's the the the, the thing I look at. And just I just went back and looked. So Dan Schneier and Chris Towers both had Travis Kelsey still number one. Okay, I I want Kelsey to be number. I want to put Kelsey one. Uh, like I, he's Kelsey, you know. And in 2021, I'll remind everyone it was not a great year for him. Like a lot of lower metrics, and then his last five games of the regular season, Travis Kelsey had fewer than 35 yards 
in four of his last five games. And then I don't know if anybody remembers, in the playoffs, he averaged 100 yards in three games and had four touchdown catches. So he it's kind of similar. Like he had much better. He went off in the playoffs. But at that point... He was 31 then, though. Yeah. Uh, no, he was 32, right? Because this was his 34 season. That was his 32 season. I think he had turned 33. Is he 35 now? I think he just turned 35. Um, but uh, anyway... Um, Mark Andrews actually had a better year than him that year. Mark Andrews had his his tight end one season, and then Kelsey bounced back in, in 2022 with a huge season. He was incredible. Uh, he had 110 catches, 1,338 yards, 12 touchdowns. You're right. It's the same thing with Diggs. I made the same exact case. The end of Diggs' 2021 season was bad, and he stunk in the playoffs. That's the difference between him and Kelsey in 2021. And Diggs had a huge 2022 and Kelsey had a huge 2022. Now they're both a year older, so it's harder to buy back in. I get it. We'll see. Two years older. Yeah, yeah. They're both two years older than they were then, right? Uh, all right. Do you think? Um, do you think McBride has tight end one overall potential? For sure. McBride. McBride's numbers from when Ertz left points per game, he was number one. Yeah, those ten games, his pace was 112 catches. 1,114 yards, five touchdowns. Really, that made him number one in that stretch? His Volume points per game was, I think it's 14.6, 14. which would have been better than what Kelsey finished up. Okay. That's not very good, though. For That's not like a that's not a standout season. Uh, no. No, but, you know, I mean, for essentially doing it on the fly, you know, being vaulted into the number one role and – you know, part of that was Kyler Murray coming back from an ACL tear, you know, so the hope would be full off season of those two guys together. I mean, look, I, I, I know Dan certainly has his, uh, his issues with McBride. If you listen to the episode I did with Heath two weeks ago on Heath's dynasty podcast, he's not a big fan of McBride or at least not as high in McBride, I think as we were. Um, I think the, the upside is there for him to, to, in PPR to, to be the number one tight end because of what you just said, you know, on pace for a hundred catches. I know Ingram just did that, but, uh, that's hard to overlook at that position. And as their receiving core stands right now, even if Marquise Brown comes back, he's easily their best guy. And so, you know, first or second of targets is definitely going to be on the table. Um, better play from their quarterback, I think, is on the table. And hopefully, you know, he just continues to mature into that role. So uh, definitely took the sophomore leap that we like to see for this position. And and now going into year three can be dominant. You know, so I actually had a hard time with Laporta versus McBride and PPR just based on what the upside could be for him as a pass catcher. Okay. And those after Zach Ertz disappeared stats also include a three for 22 in a Clayton Tooney start against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you're, you're, it's a good point. Um, if they draft Marvin Harrison, is that a big downgrade for McBride for you? I'm not a big downgrade. It's a downgrade, but not a big downgrade. Do you think he's uh, he averaged eight and a half targets per game in his last 10 games? I, I don't disagree that he's not going to see good target volume from week to week. He's a top five tight end. But what would it take for him to continue to see that type of volume with, and we don't have to call it Marvin Harrison specifically, with a, in addition to the passing game in Arizona at some well, point this that should be the expectation, but it's the same. It's the Stefanski offensive system, which in Cleveland has been a 26, 27% target share for tight ends basically for five years, except for when Deshaun Watson's been there. He hasn't thrown to tight ends quite as much. Um, and so I, the difference has been in Cleveland for two or three years. They didn't trust one guy with that volume. It was always kind of splitting it up. In Arizona, it was pretty much all Zach Ertz with a little bit of Trey McBride sprinkled in. And then when Ertz went down, it was pretty much all Trey McBride. So maybe it's not eight and a half targets per game, but I would expect that the efficiency is going to get a little bit better. And the touchdown specifically, if they have Marvin Harrison, are going to get a little bit better. Okay, let's get to tight ends five through eight. One through four are in some order. Laporta, McBride, Kelsey, and Andrews. Uh, with Kelsey coming in at third for both for all three of Jamie, Dave, and Heath, and Laporta number one for all four of us. All right, so Jamie, you can start. Who are tight ends five through eight for you? Uh, five is Kade, six is Ingram, and seven is Kittle. And eight? Oh, I'm sorry, eight is Hawkinson uh, in pencil. Sorry, Kittle. I'm sorry, Kincaid. Sorry, do it again one more time. <laughs> Kincaid, uh-huh. Dalton Kincaid, Evan Ingram, George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson. 
Okay. Dave? Kincaid is fifth for me. I've got Hawkinson sixth because I don't think Evan Ingram can repeat what he did last year. So Hawkinson six, Evan Ingram is seven, Kittle is eight. And Kittle's kind of the placeholder for where there's a tier break between the second tier of tight ends and the third group of tight ends. Yeah, I I have um, – this is probably the area where mine have changed the most, and I don't like, – there's so many moving parts here. But I would at, right now probably go Kittle and then Kincaid and then Hawkinson and then Ingram. Okay, so you all three have Kincaid, Kittle – I said Kittle, then Kincaid, but right, yeah. oh, right, not, right. Not, not in order, yes. Right, right. So in some order, Kincaid, Kittle, Hawkinson, Ingram, right? Yeah, that would probably yeah. be if the consensus rankings, with Heath having Kittle fifth and Dave and Jamie having Kincaid fifth. So again, Kincaid, Kittle, Hawkinson, Ingram. For me, it was uh, Najoku five, um, Hawkinson, Ingram, Kincaid. I had Kittle ninth, but I don't love it. But, you know, <laughs> what was Kittle per game? This was actually his lowest. 12.7. Per, this was his lowest per game finish in five or six years. He was tight end he, seven. He has actually game. declined in points per game almost every season since his breakout year in 2018. Yep. Yeah. But I still wouldn't be surprised if 12.7 was tight end five next year. I totally agree. Yeah. The guy that I. That's interesting is Ingram. Well, they're all interesting. Uh, let's start with Kincaid since he's kind of number one for all of you guys. I What did I have? I had Kincaid eighth, but you guys had him fifth for Dave and Jamie and sixth for Heath. So, yeah, did you see, Jamie, did you see enough from Kincaid? And, and are you worried about if Diggs is back? You know, I know Gabe Davis probably gone, but wasn't a huge factor. But, yeah, I don't know. Are you worried about Kincaid if, if Diggs is, in fact, back? Would you move him down? No, and uh, I, I know this is a change for Dave just because I know when I wrote the story, I was the only one that had Kincaid 5. So uh, you'll see that on, on on the site. And I was projecting Gabe Davis to be gone, you know, with the thought that maybe Diggs is gone as well. But what we saw from Kincaid throughout the season, when one of their top, I'll say three to four guys, you know, so whether you want to throw Dawson Knox in that group, certainly Gabe Davis in that group, I don't think Khalil Shakir missed any time. But whenever someone was missing, he was a superstar. And it was mostly when Dawson Knox was gone. And then at the end of the season, when we saw Davis miss, he was great. You know, and so in, in the in the playoff games, I know he didn't have a great divisional game against the Chiefs. But as you noted, Adam, on the show uh, Sunday night, in terms of how much Josh Allen threw, he was still the most targeted option in their passing game. Uh, or second behind, behind Diggs. Um, led them in, in receptions. So you know he's going to have, I, I think, a, a, a step forward and, and should continue to get better in year two. And so I would not be surprised if I put him as high as third. Like, that's how much I like him. I, I think he's got that much upside. Being attached to Josh Allen in this offense, you know, and, you know, based on how Joe Brady used Stephon Diggs versus how I think he'll use uh, Kincaid by the end of the year, he could be number one in targets on this team. You know, he's got that much potential. Okay, uh, Kittle. I don't know, Heath. What are your thoughts on Kittle? You have him fifth. Yeah, I don't have a lot of thoughts on George Kittle. I think it's still going to be frustrating at times, but he's going to win you multiple weeks with monster performances. You'd obviously like Kittle more if if the one of the guys wasn't there going into next year. He's still going to have stretches where he doesn't score very good fantasy points and and has thirty or forty receiving yards. But again, I, I think he'll be around that 12 fantasy points per game, and that will be good enough to be a top five tight end. George Kittle is still so good. He had the highest, and I, I don't know, I use 40 targets. You can use whatever you want, but among tight ends with 40 targets, I think there were 37 of them last year. He had the highest explosive catch rate. Um, he's just He's just so good. We know he's got some quiet games, but we also know he's got huge games. In fact, for the first time in his career, he had three straight games with 20 or more PPR fantasy points in 2023. Uh, his uh, his home road splits were ridiculous this year. Um, at home, just an absolute terror. I'm going to look up just the, the route, the target per route run rate when all of them were on the field. For any he averaged 5.1 targets per game. I know that's not a rate that you're looking for, but for any uh, DFS purposes oh. this weekend, he has six straight games with either hundred yards or a touchdown at home. Wow. And maybe no Debo. 
So you're saying you're saying Dave, when all three of them were healthy, he averaged five yeah, targets. Yeah, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle all on the field. There were twelve such games. Yeah, wow, that's not that's not good. No, it's a but it's the efficiency. Yeah. He was really explosive, and he mentioned that it's it's really what you hang on to when it comes to Kittle and what you hope to get out of him. And then the other part of it too is that you're going to draft him significantly later than the top four tight ends in, in your draft. He's he's the counter move to taking a tight end early. So am I am I crazy for having Najoku fifth? You guys don't even have him in the top eight. I His think numbers with Watson nice. were terrible. Awful. Yes. And it's been that way for two years now. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, but he's still obviously he's he's really talented and he broke out and he did just were in a lot of numbers with Watson. And were they really that bad? I don't remember them being that bad. Week one was bad. It's a small Eight. sample size, but they were bad. Right. It's five it was, games each of the last two years. Oh, last yeah. year it was right. nine PPR points per game. And this year, five games with Watson, 8.3 PPR points per game. How about 4.3 non-PPR points per game in five games with Watson? 58 yards was his high in a game with Watson in five games this year. Yeah. And he had like twice as many fantasy points in PPR and three times as many fantasy points in non-PPR with Flacco. And that, that 26, 27% tight end target rate that I talked about with all the other quarterbacks in Cleveland is closer to 20% when Deshaun Watson's playing quarterback. Okay, so it's really just a matter of how much you buy into that continuing. And, you know, I, I guess I could see it because Watson, I think he was throwing two years ago to Donovan Peoples-Jones a pretty decent amount. And last year, he was throwing to Elijah Moore a lot. And that hurt Njoku. But how about this stat? Like David Njoku, let's just compare Njoku and Ingram. They had basically the same A dot. Okay, Ingram's A dot was very low, five yards. Njoku's A dot was 4.6 yards. Both of them were toward the bottom of A dot. But Njoku averaged three more yards after catch per reception. He just was such a better playmaker than Evan Ingram. Um, I don't know if that if that matters. I think he is. Yeah, he I, he's really good. He's really emerging. He was emerging last year or twenty twenty two before his mid season injury. He's had this great stretch. Uh, I want to buy into it. He does obviously needs more targets from Watson, so that's that's a problem. Uh, but I I like him a lot as a player. I know it's been a very late <laughs> a late breakout for him for sure. But I think he can. You know, good God, he was so good. Uh. Certainly with Flacco, but yeah, um, for like the last ten games of the season or something like that, Najoku was great. And where, where where did he go to college? I don't even remember. Yeah, he's a, he's a cane. I was dying for the Giants to to draft him. I would see. Would you take him with a top seventy pick in full PPR? I think you don't have to around there. Maybe. You don't have to, but he went sixty eighth in our first mock. He went ninety fifth in our half PPR. I like that better. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll say if I'm going to take Njoku, I'd rather take him 95th than 68th. Just to, <laughs> well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but that's just me. Anyone in this group that we didn't talk about? Oh, Hawkinson and Ingram. Yeah. So Hawkinson yeah. will be the, the one that falls the most for me just based on his health. Or rises. I I he it, won't rise for me, but he, he could certainly fall. I think there are other issues, though, with Hawkinson. I mean, in the first five games of the season... With a healthy Jefferson, he did get a lot of targets, but he did. Um, he only had, he was only on pace for 864 yards. I don't I don't know. He's still not like this amazing playmaker. And then you see if Addison takes another step, I'm saying I know you're gonna kill me because he could be third on his team in targets, T.J. Hawkinson, and that would not be good. Just saying, because he's never been he's never been a great per target guy. And honestly, it's I don't, hard I don't to make a, a strong case for Hawkinson. Considering that he tore his ACL on Christmas Eve, questions about the quarterback, questions about where he'll rank in the hierarchy of targets, even in Minnesota's pass-first offense, although they probably will address that this offseason and try and make their run game a little bit stronger. This was a good per-target year for him. I haven't really dug into Hawkinson much. 7.6 yards per target. Uh, very, <laughs> very good. His, Fine. It, it was his best. Uh, for, okay. <laughs> it, was, it was a career high for him. Um, and then Ingram, you know, Ingram, Jamie, you, t you like to talk about, uh, who'd you talk about? Somebody. Oh, McBride after Ertz. How about, how about Ingram after Kirk got hurt? 
Yep. And then you think, what awesome. if they don't bring back Calvin Ridley or something? But when Kirk got hurt, my God, uh, he was on pace for 173 targets and 142 catches in those six games without Christian Kirk. That was incredible. Uh, your thoughts on Ingram? He's been good with with uh, Trevor Lawrence for the majority of the past two seasons. Uh, like you said, once Kirk Christian Kirk got injured, he really took off. And that was obviously the case the year before when they didn't have Calvin Ridley. So I think he definitely needs to be first or second on the team in targets. That's going to matter to him. He's going to have to be heavily involved. Uh, I go back to, I think it was the Titans game. Uh, the broadcast said at that point he didn't score a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence was trying to make an effort to get him one. Uh, had a couple end zone targets there in that game. At that point, the Titans had not allowed a touchdown to the, to the position, so that continued. But um, right after Kirk went off, he was uh, went uh, was injured. He went off, and you know you 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 think if Ridley's not retained, and they go with maybe a younger receiver, or you know even run it back with Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, who are both still under contract, that we see you know Evan Ingram still be one of the more underrated tight ends. I, I know we go back to the if we go back to the first mock draft we did. Um, I took him in, in the 10th round. I would take that a billion times out of a billion, you know, so he's got still 80 plus catch potential. You know, he, I, I think his touchdown luck will be a little bit more spread out over the course of the season, not just having to wait to, you know, score them toward the end of the year. But obviously we have to see what they do in terms of their personnel. And honestly, throughout the course of Jamie's career, he's probably done a billion mock drafts. So it's true. he's getting close to that number. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, just to recap the top eight, you guys had the same eight players, just in a different order. Top four were Laporta, McBride, Kelsey, and Andrews. Again, not always in the same order. And then five through eight were Kincaid, Kittle, Hawkinson, and Ingram. And the only difference for me was I had Najoku up there at fifth overall, and I and just and the other four, Hawkinson, Ingram, Kincaid, Kittle, were my top nine, not my top eight. So a lot of agreement there. You heard the disagreement with David Njoku. Um, when we come back, I do have a very interesting and potentially scandalous uh, comment in the chat. Didn't even realize this was happening behind my back. So I'll tell you, I'll clue you in on that when we come back from this break on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back. We're talking tight ends, but first, some drama in the FFT family here. I didn't realize this. The only two, I guess, three people that have control over which hosts are in which box, if you're watching. We have a four box. Mm -hmm. And Aaron says, whoa, is Heath hosting? He is in the one spot of Hollywood Squares. You pulled the fast one. I mean, I didn't even realize that you had taken the top left. You took the host. I seat. had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I simply logged in and hit the button to join. And now I, I knew it was going to bother you once you recognized uh, yeah, it. Like, yeah, I could it not, bother me. could not let that stand once you actually recognized that it happened. <laughs> yep. Well, everything has been remedied. I am in the host chair <laughs> once again. All right. Let's get to 9 through 12 in our tight end rankings. Uh, Heath, host Heath, you can go first. Uh, Cole Komet, who is a guy that I, I'd like to rank higher, so I, I might move him up at some point this offseason. Cole Komet, then Njoku, then Goddard, then Jake Ferguson. Komet, Njoku, Dallas Goddard, Jake Ferguson. Okay, uh, Dave. I have Njoku at ninth. I've got Ferguson 10th. I have Kyle Pitts at 11, Cole Komet at twelve. At least two of those guys are going to be bounced out once Brock Bowers enters the National Football League. He's he's going to bump two of your guys out of the rankings. <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he number one and number two? What do you mean? 
why would Bowers knock two of them out and not just because it's going to be like ten? Oh no, he would knock out only one. But <laughs> he will push down multiple guys. Oh, I'm sorry, push I down, misspoke. Push down. He gets to the left. Tight end one is Brock. Tight end two is Bowers. Yeah. No. Okay, I get it. He's going <laughs> to. He, push he down. might be that good. He's he, he was awesome at Georgia. <laughs> yeah, of course, he, we, once upon a time we talked like this about Kyle Pitts. We'll yeah. see. Uh, all right, Jamie, how about you? Uh, Njoku, Pitts, Ferguson, and Komet. And if I was redoing it now, Komet would be ahead of Ferguson. Why not just redo it? Well, I mean, I, I, we're putting the link to the story in the site, so I'm keeping it safe. Yeah, I, I, I definitely screwed up. Uh, Pitts is is uh, behind Komet. So Komet, Pitts, Njoku, Goddard. Yeah, Pitts would be the one that's going to rise the most for me, most likely, when we get the hopeful coaching upgrade. Okay. I'm gonna need a quarterback upgrade. I can't too. imagine there'd be a downgrade. <laughs> That's true. And then I have a terrible. Oh. I have one really stupid ranking that I need to replace with Komet, and it's Luke Musgrave. I mean, we'll see. Number two, second year tight ends, they just doesn't really matter what they do in their rookie season necessarily. They have big second year sometimes. I don't think it's gonna be Musgrave. I just too many mouths to feed there. But um, yeah, I, I would put Komet twelfth. Um, I would have Kittle nine, Ferguson, Pitts, Komet, but. Uh, Heath, your rankings are really interesting because you have Komet the highest, you have him ninth, and you've Goddard in there. No one else had Goddard, right? No. Uh, you have him 11th. So basically, the consensus 9 through 12 would be Njoku, probably Komet Pitts or Pitts Komet, and then Ferguson would be in there too, uh, with also a Dallas Goddard vote. And I'm t- removing my Luke Musgrave vote. Um, so yeah, Heath, what's uh, why the so much com- well, so much confidence in Komet? Why are you the highest? <laughs> I'm ranking somebody tied in nine. Yeah. That is not expressing any confidence right. at all. Um, you know, I, like you were talking about tight ends who are breaking out. Komet showed a lot of signs. Had some monster monster games last year. A 700 yard season as a 24 year old. And I fully expect that the passing game, one way or another, is going to be much better. We talk about guys who are first or second on their team in targets. As of right now, that should certainly be the expectation with Komet. Better or worse if it's Caleb Williams? I, we don't know, but probably probably better. Because if nothing else, I think there will be more pass attempts. All right. How about... All right. How about Kyle Pitts? So... Heath, I'll go to you again. You're not putting Pitts in your top 12 right now? Uh, no, I just moved him in my top 12 just moments ago. You missed that. Um, <laughs> but he, he is, he's, I think, tied in 11 now for me. I got to update, check my rankings here. Um, listen, I think the fact that he's... one guy up and bump three guys now. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he is getting uh, a new coach is... Pro- I'm going to push back a little bit on it can't be worse than Arthur Smith. There are more than seven teams that are interested in hiring him as their offensive coordinator. Um yeah. Per, but I, I also need like a good coach, an offensive-minded coach, preferably, and or a good offensive great coordinator, and I it definitely need a quarterback upgrade. Like, I mean, that's the thing, right? And it can't be like a a, a kind of upgrade. Like I, I need him to have someone who I think could be not bad. For what it's worth, Pitts acknowledged that he wasn't healthy all year. Right. Um, He said each week was trying to get better, keep getting stronger, and, you know, just doing what I need to get back to the bionic knee that I used to have, the natural knee, you know, after surgery. I saw that on ESPN. So I I think Ben Johnson, obviously, it's and and a quarterback upgrade. It's to the moon. I'm much less confident that Bill Belichick would be a good thing for anybody in Atlanta. It's funny, though, because like for for years it was. Man, Bill Belichick's offense is for tight ends. Yeah, they've been they've been fairly successful. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's the, the quarterback is going to really sway how we view Pitts. But clearly, I think if if it's Ben Johnson, if it's Bobby Slowick, if it's, I mean, I still take Belichick, you know, with the right offense coordinator. Um, yeah, I'm 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 excited about him. You know, it, it's it's two years of of down production after a thousand yard rookie season. If he's healthy. In the right scenario, would not be surprised if he can be the unicorn we've been waiting for him to become. Isn't part of the allure the fact that we're not drafting him with a top sixty pick, though? 
yeah. top 100 pick. <laughs> I mean, that's for sure. That's the real. I, I, and there's there's some people that might even scoff at top 100 because right. they're just so snake bitten. Well, I wouldn't draft him with a top 100 pick if the quarterback situation doesn't change. Sure. I think that's you kind cool. of, you know, if if we're talking about start, I'll say starting around eight or nine, you know, and, and you're still looking at probably the the tight end groups that are going to the tight end group that's going to be available to you. Ferguson will probably still be on the board. I would think Komet's still going to be on the board. Musgrave will still be on the board. Um Dalton Schultz, depending on where he signs, will most likely still be on the board. You take two of those guys and just hope that Pitts becomes that alpha. Uh, you're in good shape. You know, if you're taking him as your only tight end and not covering yourself, you're probably making a mistake. Even if he does get all these things, just based on we still have to see it. Like, there's a wide range. What if it's Bill Belichick and Jimmy Garoppolo? Then Bill Belichick won't be in Atlanta very long. I no. I look. I I would be. Okay with that. I mean, I don't really think that Bill Belichick is the X factor here. It's whoever he hires as his offensive right. coordinator. It's, I mean, the, you know, the thought is okay. he's Josh McDaniels. McDaniels. Yeah. If it's Josh yeah. McDaniels and Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Pitts, I definitely think he could be tight end five. Okay. He's, he, look, first of all, <laughs> there's two things. Oh, on he that. could. I'm with T- you. I'm tight end five is not that hard to achieve. No, what if it's what if what if it's Ben Johnson and Kirk Cousins? Yeah, then he could be tight end one. Then it would be crazy and people would go they they'd be hyped up to draft Kyle Pitts. You, would be, you would be using a top 50 pick on him probably. <laughs> do you, do we I still, mean there's do we things still believe that, in him that you might be interested to know about Pitts. Like he was one of these tight ends that was second on his team in targets. Wasn't a lot of targets per game last year, but he was second. He's had a ton of uncatchable targets in his three years in the NFL. And his his best year for that was 2021 when it wasn't Desmond Ritter and it wasn't Taylor Heineke. And the last two years have been at least 20% of his throws were uncatchable. In 2022, more than a third of them were uncatchable. So I think he's got a chance, but let's go back to the very first thing that you brought up with him, Adam, and that's his health. Yeah. If he can't get his knee right, he'll never be explosive. And then he's going to need a lot of targets. He's going to need a coordinator that's going to throw and concentrate those targets to two people every game. And that's just something that Arthur never really did. And the one thing that we want Arthur Smith to do, and he finally did toward the end of the year was give the ball, at least hand off the ball to one guy. So I, I, there's some room for this to not change for Pitts, which is why if you're getting him around, like he went 70th or better in our two first mocks. I'm not ready to go there with him, but 80th, 90th overall, I, I think that's reasonable. And I think there's room for him to grow from there. Top five, that's going to be tough. But for now, I think top 11, which is where we have him, it's fine. I'm going to give you a pit stat here, something that might need to change. He's been in the league three years. Again, I use the 40 target threshold. Among those tight ends every year, he's led the position in dot. Highest A dot among tight ends every single year. And look, that can work if you've got, maybe if you've got the good quarterback play. I mean, like, for example, in 2021, Mark Andrews uh, had was second in A dot, and that was Andrews, you know, huge year, 1,361 yards, nine touchdowns. Um, you know, but, but I don't know. I, I just feel like with a lot of these tight ends, Njoku, Ingram, Laporta, Hawkinson, Hawkinson to a degree, I mean, they get a lot of short area, easy catches. They get a lot of PPR cheap points, and we need that in PPR. We need that. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I, I've said this a few times. Part I think of the reason his A dot is so high, and what you're talking about, Adam, is is that they misuse him. You know, he, he's he's running a lot of wide receiver routes. Yeah, he's he's consistently among the leaders, if not the leader, in that as well of routes run as a wide receiver. So, I, I think we like that, but. You don't want it as much. You definitely want your right. tight end split out wide, but they could do it less frequently. So yep. yeah, I but I, I think just some easier short area catches would be nice. Let him make some plays after the catch. He's capable of it. Uh, no, all right, just something to think about with Kyle Pitts. And that's our uh, top twelve tight ends right now on January twenty fourth for PPR. I'll read a few more emails here before we bounce. We got another show tomorrow. Fantasy football at cbsi.com is the email address. And I don't have a name or a city here, Dave. Help me out. 
Doris from Sacramento, California. Dear Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath, and Dan, if he's on the show, for comic relief. And then the PS said, don't let Dan construe my above comment to mean that he's the funniest. The real funniest part of the show is hearing all the stories about him. Okay, thank you for clarifying that, Doris. Uh, the upcoming season will be the first time I've ever been in a dynasty league. Thanks to y'all, I've been dominating my redraft leagues, and I'm looking for a new challenge. The site we are going to be on allows for fab trading. How would you approach fab trading? And do you prefer non-half or full PPR? Half. Half is where we're headed. Yeah. To, to quote Bernie Mac in Bad Santa, half. Okay, anyway, uh, <laughs> PP, uh, trading fab. What do you think about that? How do you approach that? Uh, I guess uh, I'll start. I mean, it's, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. It's, 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 I, I think it's fun. I've done it in a few leagues. Yeah. And you, you just, you know, okay, if you're trading player for player and somebody needs to sweeten the deal a little bit, you know, here's, here's 10 fab points, here's 20, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, you, you, you treat it as if you treat a player, you know, so it's, it's like cash considerations. You know, if you think that player is worth, um, if if you think the average free agent or whatever the case may be, you know, is is worth five free agent points, ten free agent points. You know, if somebody's been hoarding their their fab budget, they they might be willing to consider that. So yeah, I like it. I think it's just an added added element to, you know, making trades more fun. I like it. The only league I have where we do it is also one where the pl- all player acquisition is done via auctions, and so that is also part of your bankroll for the rookie draft in the future or for the next free agent auction. So um, it depends on if it's, is it just limited to this year? Is that something you carry over year over year? Um, But it's also a good way if you're not competing this year, um, don't go to the end of the year with that fab money. If you're going to lose it at the end of the year, trade that to somebody for a, a second or third round draft pick. Also should point out, you've never done a dynasty league before Doris. Uh, the waiver wire is not nearly as good. So you might not find the fab to be quite as valuable. You're not going to be I mean, picking. It depends on how deep the league is. It's true. Uh, yeah. And, and like one guy in our league, in our big burger dynasty league, he, for some reason, <laughs> he dropped Deontay Johnson. And someone I think spent every fab dollar, if not every, it was very close to $100 uh, of fab. But that doesn't happen. I mean, that doesn't really happen often. But just keep that in mind. All right, last one here is from, oh, really? Another one? I didn't put the name or city. Dave, who, who's this from? Blanche from Overland Park, Kansas. What is this, just the Golden Girls, basically? There's no Doris on the I Golden know, Girl. but like, there may as well be. It's probably their neighbor. 10-team super flex, half PPR. Start three receivers and three flexes. I have, remember, it's super flex here. I have picks one and four. Uh, quarterbacks are Kyler, Russell Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Um, wide receivers are St. Brown, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, and Josh Downs. Wow. I'm definitely taking a QB and a wide receiver, but my question is, would you rather have Caleb Williams and Malik Neighbors or Marvin Harrison and Jaden Daniels? There's zero chance if I have the one-on-one in Superflex, I'm not taking Caleb Williams. Yeah, this is an easy one for me. I take Williams and Neighbors. I heard that sigh, Heath. Yeah, that was a big one. Well, I'm just like, I'm thinking like I, I don't even remember. I'm terrible with remembering draft classes. But like, who who were the the top quarterback prospects in Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase's class? I think there's a pretty decent chance that I'd rather have bro. those guys than that quarterback in Superflex. Right, but that you're still bro. getting Malik Neighbors in this scenario. He's going to be a top maybe eight pick overall in the yeah. NFL draft. So what percentage chance do we think there is that Jaden Daniels is better for fantasy than Caleb Williams? Yeah, but you might have gone in that draft class uh, on on your rookie draft, Joe Burrow and um, and Jalen Rager. Right. Or Justin Jefferson and who would have been the, the, the second? Oh, that 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 quarterback yep. class, now that Jordan Love is playing like he has in right. 2020, is, uh, is five deep, you know, so – but. You know, so I guess the question would be: Would you rather have Caleb Williams and Neighbors or Tua and Jefferson? And that's yeah. assuming that Jaden Daniels is going to be what Tua is. So actually, the first receiver, first receiver drafted that year was Rugs. 
then Judy, <laughs> then Lamb, then Rager, then Jefferson. And the top, the top three quarterbacks were Burrow, Tua, Herbert. So I don't think Jefferson would have even come into this equation, personally. It would have been like, would you rather have, you know, I don't even want to get into Henry Ruggs stuff. I right think now, I'd but. probably, I mean, I, I've got a lot of research to do on these guys still, but I right, first impressions of these guys, I think I'd probably go Harrison and Daniels. I would too. Ooh, wow. The, uh, the Superflex draft that year probably was Burrow, Herbert, Tua, in the, or Tua, Herbert in the first three picks. Yeah. I bet people were, I, I bet people were fired up about Clyde Edwards there. He was the last pick of the first round. Mahomes he, he was him. no he he jumped Jonathan Taylor to be 101 amongst non-QBs. Right. Um when that happened and by consensus and it's been a joke ever since. Yeah, I also think we have to acknowledge there's there's got to be some downside here with Jaden Daniels. I don't he's not he's one of these like fast rising Prospects. He wasn't, I think, like everyone knew Caleb Williams last year. Everyone knew Caleb Williams would be. Well, Joe Burrow was one of those fast rising prospects. And so was Anthony Richardson. And he's so far, you know, I can't really make a judgment, but so far looks pretty good. Uh, But, well, I don't know. I just feel like, uh, all right, we're split here. Jamie and I are going Williams and Neighbors. Heath and Dave are going Harrison and Jaden Daniels. Okay. But I don't know. It's interesting that you think that those guys are definitely going to be available at four. And where does Drake May fall into this equation as well? Well, in 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 a superflex draft, you assume it's going to probably be Williams, May, Harrison would be my guess. Yes, in some order. No, I think Daniels will go ahead of May, very possibly. He might. Those will be the first four picks, I would say. Um, all right. Yeah, there's no running back that's that's jumping those guys right now in superflex. And then what about Bowers? No, it's Bowers. I don't. I don't think in Superflex he does. But if he does, he knocks out three guys of the top five. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for your emails and for watching and for listening and for voting. Go do that. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Hello? is a raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.